What do you two want to talk about? Boobs. <laughs> I feel like I need to balance it now and say penises. <laughs> In the plural. What do I get uh, left with? Yes. Butts? Peni. Peni. <laughs> I mean, boobs do normally come as a pair, but, you know, <laughs> penises do not. Well, oh. they clearly do. Look, I've got two on this call. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Just to pick a few episodes. Like if we're doing like the best interviews, we'd pick some names, refer to them, and then have a flashback where you literally find the episode and find one question to be asked and then put that in. As a non-professional editor who has not downloaded every single bit of raw footage to my laptop, download each one, find the section, clip oh, okay. it down, put it into the new recording, delete all the other one, then go again, do it, what, like how many episodes have we got? 30? Nah. I can think of better ways to spend our Christmas holiday, guys. <laughs> Fair enough. Sounds like a piss poor excuse, doesn't it? I mean, you've got a week off, Indy. What, what are you doing with it? That's true. I had a kidney infection. Woo! <laughs> there you go. That's all right. Should be loving life. Well, it should be back up to full speed and editing by going through 30 episodes and finding all the best bits. Absolutely. Well, it's only 29 episodes, to be fair. <laughs> oh, That's my it. God. All right, John, tell us the truth. How did you find out? About what? Uh, have you been offering yourself your services. personal services <laughs> to HMRC again? Um, yeah, well, basically... I had a large tax bill, so in exchange for information, <laughs> I passed up my, my tax bill. <laughs> Saving face for HMRC. <clears throat> and, it, and it meant that rather than getting shagged up the arse by, by a HMRC inspector and enjoying the privilege of that, I got to break some exciting news and break LinkedIn instead. I don't really know how you foregoing paying your rather large tax bill means that you should break the news of their incompetence. Well, that you know, makes sense. <laughs> that's why it's a terrible story. <laughs> <laughs> I was provided with the privileged information through two separate sources who were not in a position to break the news at the time. Did they at least say, oh, you can break it though. Or did you just go rogue? Uh, I didn't say either way. It was more of a, uh, by the way, is <laughs> about to be delayed. <laughs> oh, by the way, my work papers is up for sale. Did you know that? Apparently it's been up for sale for months. Well, who wants it? No. Well, it's not about who wants it. It's about who can get over the man at the top. You're a polymath, John. What the hell are you here for if you don't remember everything? A polymath, yeah. All I remember is has been delayed. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> not heard about it yet. Hilarious. Okay. Oh, and helps the grow's gone. So you're turning into like... Who is it in Game of Thrones that has the little birds everywhere? Oh, no, you don't, yeah. Barris. Yeah. The big fat Lord one. Barris. <laughs> uh, yeah, although I haven't really watched Game of Thrones that much. So is he, is, he a bit like, is he a bit like the guy out of John Wick who has like the homeless people everywhere watching the streets of yeah. New York? Yeah, a bit like that. Anyway, you're <laughs> shrouded in secrecy. <clears throat> shrouded in something. That guy, you are a bit like him because that guy didn't have a dick either. <laughs> that is true he's like john wayne bobbitt <laughs> i don't know what that is he was a guy whose um 
I, I can't remember the exact story. I was either caught cheating or his wife had a serious disagreement with him and chopped his penis off. There you go. Jeez. I knew a lady that I cleaned with who scared the shit out of me <laughs> because she, she cut her husband's penis off while he slept. I don't think he slept as soon as it was happening, I'll be honest. I think he probably woke up at a start. He uh, definitely would have woke up. I guess it, it depends on how blunt the knife was. Or scissors. Or a spoon. Or I didn't oh, <laughs> ate it with a cereal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fry up the next morning, full English. Oh. Don't start talking Mixing about blankets. <laughs> well, it is Christmas after all. Welcome to today's bumper edition of Digitals in a Cruel World. We're going to be looking back at the year that we've just had. And talking about some of our favourite episodes that we covered, interviews, app news, and some of the biggest pieces that we think featured. And indeed, after you've dipped into Santa's sack, you can see what's coming around the corner in 2023. Thank you very much, John, for that helpful contribution. So uh, before we go any further, let's find out how our wonderful co-hosts found their Christmas period and if they managed to get anything from Santa. Have they been good boys, Ryan? Hello, Indy. Not sure I've been a good boy. I've never been a good boy. But I managed to get some sleep. That's probably the best thing. Although you keep telling me that I look like death. So sleep has not gone well for me. Present-wise, I got some old man slippers which actually I quite like wearing them now. And I got some running gear subtle and, and some deodorant. Obviously I don't do enough exercise and I stink. That's basically <laughs> what I've come to a conclusion of. So Aww. proper old man presence. Well, at least you got your ass covered. John, how about you? Uh, hi, Indy. Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you. Unlike Ryan, I'm always a good boy. Um, at least that's what I'm told. And uh, I got a, a wide assortment of presents. A new water bottle, which is very exciting. Is it Wait. branded? You can't it's, have a non-branded water it's bottle. It's not branded. Well, it is branded because it's made by Camelback, but it's not accountancy branded. Why do you need a water bottle? Like, I was looking in the cupboard the other day. I have 10 branded accountancy water bottles. <laughs> I do have a wide array of water bottles. <laughs> not too surprising, <laughs> but... These ones are really indestructible and really, really handy to put in like a rucksack and stuff. And I also had a black one of these, which I left on the train on the way back from a night out in Manchester and I was possibly slightly drunk and forgot it. I am loving my sage water bottle at the moment. I'm going to admit to that. It's the best water bottle I own. Is it the chilli ones or is this? Yeah, it's the chilli ones. Yeah, I use that all the time. It's definitely Mm. the best one. Shout out to Sage for their quality products. (laughs) <laughs> oh, and I did get some nice presents from Circuit and from Capitalise before we broke up for, for Christmas. So that was nice. I shared those around with my colleagues because I'm what, very generous. What did you get, John? So from the Circuit guys, I got one of those big, like, handmade chocolate bars, which had all sorts of incredible things in. Um, so that, that was that was cool. So, like, who doesn't like a massive slab of chocolate before Christmas? Um Vegans um yeah i'm afraid you don't count like it's cultural appropriation you know calling vegan chocolate chocolate because like chocolate has dairy and it's just the just the way it is uh, unless it's dark chocolate of course all um, right mr cadbury i didn't realize you made the rules on that <laughs> thank you thank you um it is one of my favorite places to go actually cadbury world it's cool you get to um you get to try and make your own chocolate at the end it's really cool it's fun yeah god i had no idea I went to that yeah. place when I was younger. It's cool. It's cool. When um, I could eat chocolate. <laughs> you 
You can still eat chocolate. It just makes you poorly. Vegan chocolate. No, it's not chocolate. It's a bit it like saying chocolate. it's like saying vegan vegan sausages. Those aren't sausages. Those are like or, you know, or vegan milk. It's not yeah. milk. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> it's like sort of like vegan juice. Malt. What do you mean vegan juice? What juice? Are, do you have what like do you put worse. meat in your juice? Well, it's not milk, is it? You get milk from like animals. You don't get milk from. All right. Okay. I'm going to debunk that for a moment. So what is it that my baby would have breastfed on? We don't call that milk. Yeah, but you're an animal. I'm not an animal. You are an animal. animal. You're an animal. (laughs) I've seen you on a night out. (laughs) What about coconut milk? Again, John saying it's not milk. (laughs) I mean, John is the authority on this. I mean, should should we... Put some banter aside and, and crack on with the show. We need to. We were talking about Christmas presents. Oh, I have no yeah. idea how we got here. Do you want me to? I do, I'll tell you what I got from the Capitalized guys, which is ironically more chocolate. So, I mean, you know, that's perfect. <laughs> so that perfect bod that you had before Christmas, John, is gone. <laughs> well, yeah. Go on, take your T-shirt off. Show us. Go on. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I suspect the perfect bod had probably, probably long since left the room. <laughs> I have got the perfect mum bod. Have you? It's, yeah, I'm thinking of take all the selfies and videos of myself so that you yeah. can see what a sweaty heifer looks like in the gym. <laughs> Real life sweaty one. If you want to see a sweaty heifer, I can take you to a milking parlor any any day of the week. She doesn't like milk. It's not that I don't like it. I just can't have it. There's a perfect joke though. You could pull the other one. Oh my God. Are you being utterly utterly ridiculous? The Christmas cracker jokes are out already. Should we crack on with some uh, Uh, crack on? I I love a crack on, don't I? Should we crack her on? Crack her on. Should we talk about some of the biggest app news of the year? Let's go, baby. Cool. Well, I guess there's been from the big trio, Sage, Zero, and QuickBooks, more activity from Sage than anyone else, I guess. With acquisitions of both Futurely and Spherics in the year. Should we give them in a, a ranking? We should figure out who's number one, number one acquirer this year. Yeah, that sounds um, good. Sage. Well, so you've had but Sage. You have to assess the quality of the acquisitions. Oh, quality, piss poor. Mm. But in terms of activity, Sage. Yeah, so Sage obviously have acquired Futurely and Spherics, but are we counting the Axis Group and right group in this because yeah they, they did some big acquisitions access buying fathom prospect soft mm-hmm. and reckon in the yep. australasia area yeah, if yeah i can remember from a very past episode and then what did bright buy they bought a btc and accountancy manager so they've gone yep. down the, the practice management route quite heavily yep. so yeah there's been some big acquisitions consolidations in the year you've had quite a lot of new tech coming through as well it's a lot of change, really. It gives us keeps us on our toes. So HG Capital invested mm-hmm. in a lot of different accounting softwares this year. Who are yep. the new players that they've invested in? If any. HG have pretty much invested in everyone except for Zero and Sage. So if you're in the accountancy market, it's probably owned by HG or part owned by HG, isn't it? If we're ranking 
acquirers and an acquisitive activity in 2022 then it's all it's all hg isn't it because access have gone crazy bright group have gone crazy um <clears throat> iris have bought a few things and developed a few products and sage have had to try and keep up quickbooks kind of don't bother anymore and zero has stopped acquiring well they seem to be focusing on doing other things with their money well, you said the QuickBooks haven't done. I think they've done some small stuff, but I heard that they tried or started the process of acquiring about 22 different pieces of software and they and 21 failed. Yeah, as in they, they closed it down before it got to the end. So they've been exploring it, but they just haven't found anything that were, they found was worth investing in. Interesting. Mm. Is that because of their strategy? Because like obviously with QuickBooks whenever they are with Intuit, at least when they buy, they buy and close it off to the competitors and then eventually will integrate it as part of their products, don't they? Yeah, they merge it in. I heard it was to do with the nature of the, the system itself. So they want things that are quite modular, that sits in its own, they can kind of bring it in, like and just build it straight into the, their system. And the way the tech has been built recently, or at least the, the ones they were looking at, weren't built in that way once they started to delve into the actual structure of the tech. And that's what, that's what closed it down. So interesting ones but i'd say the quietest uh the quietest in the space must have been zero really they've, they've just not done much especially in the acquisition side or you could argue development side they've been still working on their back end <laughs> as indy would know um <laughs> <laughs> i'm always working on my back end it just doesn't make a difference <laughs> a lot of squats involved <clears throat> it's a monolith <laughs> we know from conversations that we had at ZeroCon that um, Zero are working quite hard on their, on, on their back end and we've seen that with some of the older product features being wound up in 2022 that's probably one of the key features of what's happened with Zero, isn't it is that things like the old blue reports that, that everyone was very familiar with and there was uproar when they were removed or started well, technically they're not they're not removed yet john they're going in 2023 so it's like a prediction <laughs> although they've stated it's going to happen <laughs> it's a prediction it's the only prediction we'll ever get right is, is because <laughs> because a vendor's already told us that it's happening well we did predict the currency manager we bought we just predicted the wrong people would <laughs> buy them <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. semi right half right <laughs> yeah i'll um, take that but as well as a lot of acquisitions, towards the back end of the year, there's been turmoil. You've had some of the big players having to make huge redundancies. So Plio mm. and Carbon culled their staff. And that's just as investments being pulled. And I guess that's something we've seen towards the back end of the year. The level of investment has just started to be pulled back because as we move potentially into recession, people are getting concerned about the profitability of some of these bits of software. Yeah, and certainly the news that we saw from from Carbon and also we were hearing from Tom, the CEO of Comma, was that there's an expectation now that apps need to be profit generating, cash generating a little bit earlier in their journey rather than taking investment and then investing that, I guess, in sort of R&D and sales and marketing of the product. So an interesting change. And is that just a consequence, do we think, of sort of like the economic conditions or is that just a different set of expectations now? Because there's still noise from the sort of VCPE market that there are potential investments to be made. There is still cash available for investments to be made. It's just that 2021 and prior to that was a bit of silly season because people got caught up in the the, the investment 
sort of whirlwind of trying to get into the accountancy market. I mean, we, right. it's not it's not really stopped big high profile acquisitions, has it? Like you said, like the the Reckon acquisition, big numbers, Bright Pearl acquisition by Sage, big, but big acquisitions. Numbers. Acquisitions are different, aren't they? Acquisition is tired acquiring funding options. There are multiple reasons why an acquisition happens. It could be that someone is getting a really good deal against the market conditions that are presiding. If you can't get investment, then you know you have got to consolidate somewhere. All this is showing is that most VCs or PEs who have invested in that tech space don't know the mechanics of the fintech model properly so they've ended up pulling out their money and it just shows that they're not as skilled at investing in that area because there's also been lots of other businesses that have folded in that time yeah yeah agreed talking of businesses that have folded we heard the news that connect four closed the doors i think early december and then might possibly be rising from the ashes, possibly. So. Yeah, I, I, like I heard a phoenix. That, I heard that with, I don't know, less than a week before they were officially going to close, someone has gone and bought the the tech, and so we could see Connect Four continuing into twenty twenty three. It might have a slightly different brand and feel to it, and maybe absorbed into another product, but the system hasn't disappeared. Have we had any other software failures in twenty twenty two? I was trying to think have we, have we noticed any big players or or even ones that were rising stars that have fallen over for me um you know going back to carbon you know we're talking about investment and stuff i think the way that carbon sort of handled that change here in the uk at least was massive they effectively got rid of almost their entire uk staff base didn't they and for me that was probably one of the one of the rising rising stars in terms of like that sort of practice management project management job management solutions in the market and there was a lot of noise around carbon in sort of late 21 early 2022 and then for them to have to have to make those changes that they've made I think potentially could have a damaging impact for their growth ambitions in 2023, because as much as it shouldn't really matter, accountants and accountancy practices like to have people in the UK, UK support, you know, and, and, and you know, just, just someone available that they can, they can contact. And once you start dealing outside of, um, you know, outside of sort of time zones, whether that's in, in the US or uh, in Australia or New Zealand, wherever it might be, I think that just becomes, it you know, can become a little bit more challenging. been surprising that so few have uh, fallen by the wayside we've talked about the the um the competitiveness in that payment space you know you've had comma cresco credec Teleru, libio you know there's an awful lot of investment that's gone into that space and we've predicted there will be some consolidation or some that fail we've not seen any of that yet so maybe that's something that we can look at in the prediction side but um i guess the biggest news and one we've not managed to cover on the pod so far, one that our own John Toon broke on the internet was the delay of making tax digital for income tax and self-assessment. Big, huge news, huge news, not just for accountants that have been preparing, but also for all those software companies that have put had a lot of investment getting ready for, for this launch that was going to be in 2024 and has now moved to 2026. Where do you think the biggest frustrations will be? Would it be from accountants or from the tech community? 
the biggest frustration will be in the tech community because obviously every you know every every man and his dog as it were who who had you know even a, a modicum of interest in, in mtd for it so has been doing something you know and that's a graduated thing isn't it because you've got the big players like zero quickbooks etc who obviously have products or announced products that were specifically for MTD for ITSA. You've then got a whole raft of other players like Coconut, like Hammock, et cetera, who effectively have built their whole business strategy around the MTD for ITSA timings. We're really framing their products as solutions for MTD for ITSA. And then you've kind of got everyone else, the likes of CCH, TaxCalc, et cetera, who are building some form of MTD for ITSA product, which was really going to be a bridging solution and in my opinion, of very little relevance to the market, but were doing something that they felt they had to. And that will still have cost time and money and investment time, et cetera. But I guess the big players will be able to continue as they are. Zero QuickBooks, Sage, et cetera, not going to lose them as a consequence of it. The MTD for its delays. The products that they've got will maybe not get the same kind of pickup that they expected. But for me, the big challenge is for those those products like the hammocks and the coconuts of the world and stuff, because they're not going to have to change their their pitch, their strategy for the next couple of years in terms of, you know, it's no longer going to be driven by an impending deadline with MTD. It's coming down the track. They're now going to have to re-engage both with potential customers and with accountants, partners to say, look, um, you know, we don't have this deadline coming down the track anymore, but we do still think that digitalization, tran- you know, that transformation to, to digital processes is beneficial for you, for your practice, for your clients. On the other side, you know, when you talk about accountants in the market, you know, the accountancy sector was fairly polarized insofar as you had quite a lot of accountants who were being very proactive with MTD for it, so had already chosen their solutions, had engaged with partners, were talking to their clients, communicating to their clients, telling them about their expectations over the next 15 months or so now, and, you know, had a plan for transitioning however many clients were, were going to be affected by the changes. And now, of course, that's kind of all up in up in smoke and the potential for you as a trusted advisor that you lose a little bit of trust, don't you? Because you now turn around to clients and say, oh, you know that, that thing that we told you about and we're going to you know, start transitioning you to a new piece of software and everything else. Well, it's now been delayed, uh, but we still kind of want you to transition to a new piece of software because we think it's the right thing. So for those proactive accountants, again, they're going to have to sort of change their strategy, change their, their messaging and marketing to those clients and figure out what they're going to do. For the other half of the accountancy sector, and that's very broad strokes, but they were the, the deniers, right? They're the flat earthers, the COVID deniers and everything else who who were basically like, ah, oh, this is never going to happen. It's such a terrible idea. It's always going to get delayed. And even, even the fact that it's been delayed till 2026, it's not going to happen. It's still going to be delayed. So we're not going to get ready and just carry on as normal. And, and I don't think anything's going to change in that respect, other than, you know, we've got a few more accountants who are going to retire in 2024 and are now going to retire in 2026, but hoping for another delay so they can retire in 2028. They must feel very vindicated at the moment. They said it would happen and it's happened. But as well as the big news of it being delayed, I think the change to the thresholds is going to have a huge impact because obviously if you're working at a £10,000 um, a year threshold and that's jumping up to a 30,000 from yeah, 2027. 50,000 50, and then to 30, yeah. Yeah, that's a much smaller pool for some of these software vendors. Um, and those accounts that have looked at the pool of clients, that will cut out a number of those that they don't need to do anything with, especially on you know the, the much smaller side, the ones that the likes of Mizuma, et cetera, to deal with. So it, it's a huge impact. I just hope that those software providers that have built a great system but have taken on a lot of investment to do that, don't now struggle to continue 
because obviously their entire forecasts have now been shot. It does show that the best laid plans can't rely on HMRC and some compliance change that happens in the law. You really need a business model that still works for product market, but beyond at the point of compliance. It sounds to me that over-reliance on that mandate is just limiting anyway, because if the product itself wasn't compelling enough beforehand, and it's only compelling if there's a stick imposed, that there's a penalty, then people won't change. People won't mass adopt. There's a lot yeah. of businesses that don't do anything without a stick to beat them. Agreed, but I do agree with Indy in terms of like, I think you can't base your strategy around government policy because that's so silly. Uh, particularly, I mean, 2022 has been the year that the UK turned into a banana republic effectively anyway, given the way that the government's been. So from one day to the next, we weren't really sure what government policy was. So it's, it's actually impossible to run a business and predict what's going to happen in the future. So you've got to deal with what's in front of you. <clears throat> you've got to deal with what you're, what you're aware of. And if things change you've got to adapt to that i'm not saying that that was easy to predict but the mtd for it's a things we heard the rumors in the summer i guess because there was already murmurs that certainly the landlords things was potentially going to be delayed i don't think anyone anticipated the the rise in the limits but i think those are actually a welcome change i think that's a good idea one of the things that we don't know that may or may not be delayed is the whole basis period changes which are going to probably stay because they've delayed mtd for it but not made any mention of the basis period changes the fact that they've delayed it so allows hmrc to get away with the basis period changes as a, a supposed red tape removal policy whilst they've delayed some other red tape that's now going to come a couple of years later i mentioned this in my post when i was talking about these delays was like uh, one of the things i never understood was why it's a came second after that why we never went down the track of looking at corporation tax why that was always the last tax to come into mtd because if you set aside the potential issues that not-for-profits and charities had with the corporation tax changes and that could be easily dealt with by just providing some form of exemption or allowance for them is that the vast majority of limited companies that would be caught by the corporation tax mtd for corporation tax changes that are framed and that we know about at the moment the vast majority of them will probably be on some form of software the vast majority of them will probably be vat registered as well i don't know the numbers but my inkling would be that there's a very high percentage probably 80 percent plus maybe even 90 percent plus the reality for them is that that transition from having to move from an annual return that's done by an accountant to maybe some form of quarterly reporting out of their software could quite easily coincide with what they do for VAT and not be too much of a significant transition definitely and some of them are already paying quarterly but alongside the whole MTD delay you had the help to grow scheme and it's complete binning of what we were slating throughout the whole year as something that was basically not helpful. So I think we, I'm not sure we predicted it. Maybe we did. Maybe we said there's no way this will continue, but it was not helpful. It was not great. And I think it's good that it's gone. We just said that there wasn't enough vendors on there. So it was mainly dominated with a couple of vendors. And And anyone that's going to use that would just get one limited view of the software that's available to them and not very much for it. So it's a bit of a waste of money. Yeah, the whole premise of the Help to Grow Digital scheme was great. You know, let's try and persuade businesses by giving them an incentive and covering their first year annual sort of subscription costs. 
to give them an incentive to digitize. And God only knows, like businesses in the UK need to digitize, do your gender aside. The UK has one of the worst productivity numbers out of all the sort of G7, G8 countries. Um, we know that there's a lack of skills and lack of training and development. And one of the challenges, as Ryan and I know, because this is what we do on a regular basis, is that businesses are operating inefficiently because they're using old systems. They're not using the latest technology. They're not using the most integrated technology. And the help to grow digital scheme was potentially the, the hammer that would crack that nut. And then, of course, what happened is, you know, the government got involved with developing the scheme and completely hobbled it from the start because the businesses that could qualify for it to begin with was too restrictive. Then the vendors that were involved was way, way too restrictive and didn't allow people that knew what they were doing to advise companies in the best or businesses in the best way. Now, the restrictions on companies changed and they did allow a few more vendors into the mix and broadened it out away from just pure accounting systems. But I think the guys at iPlicit had said that they were limited from being involved in the project because they were classed as an ERP solution for businesses that were too large. Well, that just demonstrates the lack of understanding from government about where businesses need support and assistance with digitalization. As someone that's worked with the software companies before um, in early stage businesses, if you go directly to HubSpot in the early days, I'm not sure if they still do it now. I'm pretty sure they have a, a deal that you can take. But for the first two years, it's practically next to nothing to have a HubSpot subscription because obviously they rely on the fact that you're going to grow after that two years and then your data is already in their system. So you're effectively very sticky. Pendo, which was like an in-app analytics software that allows you to track and market and prompt user guides and provide a better customer experience all around. They did a similar thing as well for the first year when I negotiated with them. They gave the software for practically nothing and it was a premium piece of software. So I always think, why would, as a business, I mean, for me, if I set up a business tomorrow, my plan is to go to each of them and just persuade them to try and give me the software for next to nothing and convince them and say, look, after two years, I'm going to be stuck with you and I'm happy to do that. But I just think it's in the business's better interest to go directly to the softwares that they think they would use. And then if there was already a scheme available directly through that business, then it makes more sense that the company should then go back to the government and claim it back and say, okay, they were supporting a certain number of small businesses. Is this not, is, you mean, is that you mean not like, something that can be done? You mean like a cycle to work scheme system where there's like a voucher they can get and uh, yes. a local shop. That makes complete sense, Indy. Maybe we should take this to the government and go, this would work. You already have something that works. Just need to replicate it in this sense. I would just like to put in an invoice for the idea as well. You know, like here's my fee. <laughs> Okay. I mean, I, I get the, the irony is, is like that was what help to grow digital was for, right? Is that you got a voucher to cover your costs and to cover some advice that went with it. The problem was, is that the restrictions that were put in place around the vendors were ridiculous. Whereas, like you say, like the, the cycle to work scheme, other than you know, a, a sort of financial cap, which is which is not unreasonable, you know, you're not restricted on which retailers generally that you you can go to and spend your you spend your voucher and stuff. It's a bit of a nonsense, right? It was a project that was doomed to failure from the very outset. And unfortunately, it's been canned and who knows how much money's been spent and wasted on it. And who knows how many businesses have 
been provided with substandard or suboptimal advice and moved onto a particular piece of software just because it was on the list, probably aren't getting the benefits of, of what they could potentially have had if there was a much broader range of vendors, not just the accountancy vendors, but the whole ecosystem of SaaS products that are out there that can prove a business's operations. That, that was a key thing for me. Let's stop the incredibly depressing conversation about the government and move on to something much more jolly, which was accounting conferences in the year. Our resident, John Toon, was pretty much at every single conference that existed, I believe. We had some some huge ones over the summer and uh, some relatively big ones at the back end. But what was your favourite accounting conference of the year? Go on, Indy, you can go first. Only because it was the first time I've ever attended a ZeroCon, but I would say it was ZeroCon. It was hot, sticky, and full of lots of crazy sort of faces, but it was a lot of fun as well, especially the evening event. Plus, because we had just had the interview with Steve Vamos a week before ZeroCon, so it was just a, a really good time period for us all to celebrate before the summer sort of kicked in and I went dark for a while it was great and to be honest John and I getting shouted out by Steve Vamos on the stage was quite a nice little touch as well but Indy didn't you have a slightly bad end to Zericon wasn't didn't your car um, yeah I did that was really sad now you've reminded me god (laughs) yeah my tire exploded my tire exploded and I actually had to go on holiday the next day so I was super stressed because I ended up getting stiff with like a huge bill to fix the tire on the side of the road get home finish packing and then went away and yeah my pearl necklace had been stolen so it was quite a sad time and then to top it off as soon as I got to the holiday place I was meant to get to the airline lost both my suitcases so it was quite all in all stressful actually I really I really regret mentioning that now uh John quickly put it away from Indy uh, what was your fa- what was your favorite conference of the year mate uh favorite co- do you know what it's for me it's quite difficult to say because I did go to every single one going so I, account I, tax Account tax. Account tax was was very exciting, but we'll come we'll come to that in a minute. So I started the year with the alternative events IT conference, which was really exciting for those of us that work in the larger firms. At least it is a fascinating day and a half, couple of days that you to, to go to. Must know, attend. Must attend. Must, I think. Must attend. Yeah, and uh, I'm already already signed up for the one in 2023. Looking forward to that. And there's so much that goes on there in terms of what you can talk about from a strategic point of view and everything else. I attended a Countex in London for the first time in a long, long time, and that was absolutely bouncing. There were so many people, such a huge array of vendors in the room, uh, and I only attended the first day as well because I had to get back on the second day, which was a bit upsetting because I didn't even manage to get around probably two thirds or three quarters of the room. And of course, like the Accountex parties are incredible. We had, what was it, two boats and a, and a pub plus drinks afterwards and God knows what else. So that was a busy evening. And it, it was good to see that Chris Moyles on the Iris boat party managed to maintain every every accounting 
what's the word? Stereotype. Stereotype. That's the one. Yeah. Managed to incorporate every stereotype into his set. So that was good. I didn't like him. I'm just going to put it out there and say I found him a little bit rude and arrogant. Sorry to say. I really liked him all my childhood life through the teens and into early adulthood and right the way until he was savagely kicked off Radio 1. And then when I met him in person, I thought he was not very nice. Never meet your heroes. I completely agree. I completely agree. It's how he gets his laughs, isn't it? Um, yeah. ZeroCon was was interesting for me. The venue was interesting. It was hot and sweaty, as you said. And you were pretty lucky, Indy, with your Beyonce-style music video fan that you had going on in the corner. It was essential, actually, before people like flaked out. There wasn't a huge amount of announcements that were massively relevant for us as a business at ZeroCon. So it was a bit of an anticlimax, I think, from that but point But were there any announcements at any of the shows that you thought that were so groundbreaking? Uh, no. Sage bought Futurely at the end of a Countex, is that right? They announced it at the end of a Countex. Yeah. So uh, that was, yeah. And did they not announce their Sage accountants platform at the same time? Is that, is that right? So there was some big announcements from Sage at a Countex, I believe. Um, hmm. But I can't remember... Any other big announcements? But into accounting web live back end of November, early December, and that was the first conference of the year where Sage didn't make an acquisition announcement. So everyone was extremely disappointed. I mean, what's the point of going to a conference if Sage aren't going to announce an acquisition? So there you go. Yeah, so ZeroCon was was hard, but ZeroCon was interesting because we got an opportunity to see more of behind the scenes ZeroCon, if you like, and with the contact that we'd had with Steve and other people. So that's a, definitely a different experience from previous years. Um, as you mentioned, indeed, we did have a Countax up in Manchester as a precursor to a Countax in Manchester, Countax North. So that was big, wasn't it? We had 40 people, the great and the good from the accounting vendor space come and do some axe rowing for an hour and that was incredible fun so that was that was good so in conclusion which was your favorite conference john uh <laughs> john it's waffled on and not said anything useful <laughs> no he's given us the political answer of describing i can tell you i can tell you the conferences that i didn't like <laughs> yeah that's even better well, which was the worst conference Ooh, well, look, john, john, summed, john summed them all up apart from what was my favorite one which was the digital accounting show digital um accounting. which was not only just a great great show but also we were on stage talking about what we know as a trio had a huge crowd loads of interest about what we were talking about and i just didn't stop talking to software vendors learning a lot about what was going on all, all day i was buzzing it was a really really good show for me yeah actually you're right i think in terms of experience not because it was new but just because it was a really good experience very well attended variety of talks and the way things were close enough to get to and we were all kind of entertained I would say pleasantly enough with the after parties and entertainments or obviously watching you two was hilarious yeah digital accountancy I'd agree with that I would echo those thoughts absolutely I mean a digital accountancy show for me is probably the standout new show on the block isn't it in terms of like what Dan's trying to achieve there what he does the content that's put together and everything else. And clearly because, you know, we got to speak more than once, that always helps. But it's different from all of the other conferences and long may that continue. I, I mean, I, I guess for me, the difficulty in sort of saying what's the best one is that they, they all do have a slightly different pitch and they all have... Um, I'm going to have to press you for an answer there, John. I'm going to have to press you for an answer. This isn't, it's not news night. It's, um, it's news night. 
No. He can't. He, uh, he can't say because he gets invited to talk at everyone. I know exactly. It's like he doesn't want to basically <laughs> put his... cut that out. I, I'm Come waiting on, for John. when I'm waiting for his announcement. That he's going to be at Caltex Australia next year. That's the one that I'm waiting oh, for. Um, you mean zero con because it's not going to be in no, the UK. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah. So big news. There's going to be some changes next year. We've got QuickBooks Connect at the start of the year, and then no zero con. Digital currency show is moving venue. And Looking forward to that. I mean, a new venue for Digital Accountancy Show, I think we'll send it off the charts because it's a bit of a random place, isn't it, Tottenham? Yeah, it is. So did you have a good Christmas, guys? Yeah. yeah. Yes, thanks. Yeah, it was, uh, that was it was the good. end of that sentence. <laughs> I, I believe you. Yeah, I'd <laughs> say it was refreshing, but I've seen the bags under my eyes this morning and it looks like I've not slept in weeks. You do look like you've been punched or had surgery. <laughs> you had some sort of surgery to make you look younger. Well, it's not worked, is it? Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you have to keep up with Alistair and Carl. That's <laughs> true. Have you um, seen any accounting buddies over the Christmas period? Well, my wife's an accountant. Yeah, okay, not sure she's true. a buddy. Really legitimate question, because I've met family over the Christmas period. Why do accountants tend to stick with accountants, like couples-wise? What is that about? Because um, we don't get out enough. Yeah, that's probably it. We're not very good at socialising. It's a lot easier if they're just nearby. <laughs> it's like a simplicity thing. When you start yeah. your trading contracts, if you get sat next to the right person, that's it. That's it. It's just it's easier than going elsewhere. <laughs> wow. Falling in love over double entry whilst you're learning it together. <laughs> Lots of innuendos. So what you're saying is I need to start training to be an accountant yeah yeah probably help for this show as well to be honest with you. oh <laughs> what we're talking about <laughs> and, then, and then you'll be able to pick up like a 21 year old indie perfect for you oh yeah i don't want to go younger um it scares me those people terrify me <laughs> those people <laughs> the tiktok generation completely different race <laughs> I would love to say I had the energy to handle it, but I don't think I do. Mm-hmm. I'm an old soul at heart. An old soul. What, like a well-worn slipper? Yes, or boot. Got new slippers for Christmas. What did you all get? What presents did you get for Christmas? I was bad girl, so Santa bought me nothing. Oh, I mean, that's Did you get coal? No, it's not true, actually. Siona managed to persuade me to get her a debit card before Christmas. And then she took that debit card to her dad and said, can you load this up with money? Because I need to go and buy my mummy some presents. So mm-hmm. she bought me a sleep spray with crystals, a book about art and female artists. Wait, wait a minute, um, a sleep spray with crystals? Why? why yeah, is what, I know. What, what exactly does that do? It's a sleep mist like of lavender and chamomile that you spray into the room. And the crystals, I don't know, I guess you put them on your head or something. Oh, um, it's not in the spray. It's, it's... No, it's okay. crystals. Yeah. It's hocus pocus bullshit stuff then, yeah? I don't think so. I haven't tried it. And also my daughter bought it, so I believe in it. Well, la- lavender and chamomile <laughs> works, but I don't know what the crystals do. They clean your chakras and clear your energy. Yeah, I had a shower this morning. I made sure my chakras were clean. Oh, I don't want to imagine that. I don't, I think nothing, no amount of crystals or showering will clean your chakras, you dirty little boy. And so, (laughs) Um, and a wire brush. 
Oh God. And even then, you've still got dirty chakras. Look at you. <laughs> yeah, I must be lacking a technique. What, what did you get for Christmas, John? Um, I got a new pair of ski socks from Jess, which was good. Very oh. exciting. Are you going on the Did you go? Flinda ski extravaganza for your new year? Normally it's new year. I, I am going on the Flinder trip yeah, in a couple of weeks. Can you name drop others that are going? Uh, yeah, just me. <laughs> <laughs> just you and Alistair Barlow on an intimate... <laughs> It's, it's a loving. It's a loving. Yeah. I can name drop. So <clears throat> obviously there's Alistair and then there's Luke as well. Uh, Alex Bomb Burnett's going. Um, Amy Cotton from Capitalize. Dave Selleck's going. David Addison. James Marshall from uh, GI. GI. Uh, Johnny Gaunt's going. Um, washed up technologist now pretending to be an accountant uh, matt white's going stuart mcleod's going from carbon so that'd be good get to ask him about how he's managed to spend all that money they raised last year dom noakes is going andrew cookson from Telaru's going uh Pamela de jong's going from de jong phillips who else is going fraser campbell from assets and there's a few others that i don't know so exciting times it's gonna be good to meet some new faces. We go out on the 14th. Well, that lot goes out on the 14th. I'm actually going to Vienna three days beforehand because I'm going to a conference. Accounting conference? Accounting conference, yeah. I'm going to a HLB conference in Vienna for a couple of days and I'm talking at the conference on the Friday. What's a uh, surprise that you're talking at a conference, John? Mm. Um, it's unheard of. <laughs> <laughs> What's even more surprising is that having heard me at other conferences, people still want me to come and talk. <laughs> you could probably start charging now the amount that you're you're doing. Yeah, I'm uh, like a Tesla. I don't know what that means. I'm laughing, but I don't know what it means. Just need charging. Need charging. Um, oh, I, I was trying to find the link as well. I was like, really? Being free. In the snow? <laughs> Yeah, or are about to go bust. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be a bit different next year, but I guess we touched on it in, uh, or Indy touched on it, regarding Steve Amos. We've had some great interviews to the show over the last year. It was huge, and having a proper recording studio up in London to record the pod was a pleasant experience. But I've got to say, from my own top interview, I'd say the discussion with Lucy Cohen was great in the year that was just so much fun it started with john and i being unable to set up a simple mic system for half an hour indie just getting lost not being able to find the venue and once we finally started it it just flowed uh, the discussion was great lucy was amazing and i learned an awful lot and i hope our listeners learned a lot about accountants setting up their own software because she's done that she's making it work and it was just a really good discussion but yeah. john and indy is there any that others well, that you think were great the merkin chat was also well worth it with lucy wasn't it <laughs> gotta love some banter around uh, pubic wigs <laughs> indy learned a new word i always learn a new word with you guys that's the point i think that you could probably go back through all the episodes and see that indy learns the most it's like sex education to be honest talking to both of you so clearly my school didn't do a very good job i would agree with you even though i enjoyed the fact that we interviewed Steve Vamos, one of my absolute favourites was Lucy's because she was really insightful, no bullshit, straightforward, spoke from both sides of the table and was very concise about what she said. So it was a beautiful interview for me to edit. 
Yeah, Lucy was cool, and and it was good. It was good fun catching up with her because I think we when did we interview? Her? I can't remember now, but we inevitably saw her around and about at all the shows as well. I think my favorite one was probably Chris Downing because it was it was good sort of having a bit of combat with Mister Sage. That was entertaining. I think that was last year, John. Cheating, was... cheating. That was last year. I mean, just... if we had to go through and say, yeah, I would definitely agree that the Chris Downing one was good. And if we can go back to last year, the James Ashford one. Who? For me. James Ashford? Well, with his amazing product placement throughout the entire episode. Of just okay, fine, fine. Up... Scratch that. Scratch that. No, I, I will take it back. Stuart Hurst. I liked Stuart Hurst's interview. That was really cool we got to know him as yeah. a person and I think Stuart is brilliant to be honest with you he approaches things very differently from most of us and he makes that work for himself and I think that his interview was very cool yeah, you see Stuart with his videos all pre-recorded but actually getting to know the man great and you can't start an interview of us sitting in a green room if you're Stuart Hurst because you're going to be ripped to shreds <laughs> about sage branding and it was very entertaining from the start but I guess the one that we've not mentioned and um, that I found a lot of fun as well was the Andrew Vanderbeek discussion very very inspiring man he is inspiring I personally think that we didn't go deeper on some of the questions that he asked and I think that might have been because we spent about half an hour touring the building, compliments of John Toon, um, Somerset House, which is huge. And I had no idea had such a vast array of underground facilities. But there were some questions that he asked that I think we should have drilled into. There's one that he started saying about how the data shows that the accountants are not the most trusted advisors. And we never asked him anything more about that to this day I'm like well okay who are the most trusted advisors then what else did that data show I think the other good question that we should have asked at the time is is that because he's Australian is that an Australian versus a UK specific thing because each country has a different way of it with their advisors in America for example accountants aren't looked as, as advisors it's a very compliance-led industry and do we echo Australia or do we as accountants have a different take on it? Go on, yeah. John. You can tell us not your favourite episode because we don't want to run down of all the shows, but you can tell us which episode you found the least favourite. <laughs> the least favourite? I can't remember most of them, to be perfectly honest. So <laughs> shall I give you a, shall I give you a rundown of all the names and you can then God, no, no commentary. No commentary, though. Okay, I'll let you pick from Alistair Barlow. You can have uh, Chris year. Downing, actually. No, no, <laughs> Alistair Barlow was 6th of January, guys. Come oh. on, Dave Selick, Stuart Hurst, the one with Comma on open banking, mm-hmm. bringing order into the 21st century with Mark Edmondson, QBO with Johan Gori, the Comma Spotlight, where we spoke to... Is that the one? No, that's not the one we did with Jared. It probably is my favourite because that was the hilarious one where uh, Ryan can actually say his name. For... His name's Chair. His name is Chair. 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 He's no longer. He's no longer with Comma. Actually. Oh. He's yeah, he's moved on. Yeah. He's moved. He's yeah, he's um, fired. He got fired because Brian couldn't say his name. 
Oh <laughs> my gosh, <laughs> clown! Never. The big Glenn Foster, Libio, where we went through with Pierre more of what they do. Andrew Vanderby, Lucy Cohen, the live one that we did at Das, and Steve Vamos, and then we did some pick and mix ones with Alex von Schermeister, Amy Cotton featured on one. So those are the ones you can choose between. Um, <clears throat> audit, audit, <laughs> audit, audit, <laughs> audit, definitely. Audit, audit was definitely a challenging one. Yeah. Um, Who can make right. audit interesting? Even you, John, struggled to make audit interesting, mate. <laughs> it was an interesting one, that. It was, it was good. It was good fun in many different ways. The Glenn Foster one for me was a little bit challenging as well. It's mainly because Ryan spoke way too much. And I yeah, I did. I didn't like that. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like out of place. <laughs> felt like, it felt like it was putting me in his shadow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, look, we've reminisced and we've talked about some great app changes over the year, but it would not be a summary of 2022 without talking ahead to 2023. And what are our big predictions? You know, we're potentially going into a recession. We've talked about the potential lack of funding for different software vendors, but do we see more consolidation, more growth in a certain space? Any big apps we think are going to boom in 2023? Indy, go. Neo banks, proper banks, not the banks that are really good at sort of helping you set up the accounts, but aren't actual banks. And I think that we've seen a groundswell of different financing options coming in to the space we've spoken about some of the payment as but there's still a lot of room for the banks in particular some of the newer banks to improve the way that they can help SMEs access a lot of different types of loans and financing and those that are doing it well I have a big prediction for one of them that's going to come into the space that should come on to a lot of accountants radars next year Alica Bank who have raised quite substantially over the course of the last year and have managed to build some very interesting products they're launching in the market that will help SMEs and help accountants at the same time. So there's a couple of banks that are doing it really well. And that for me is where 2023 is going to be won and lost is those banks that are not only able to be digitally savvy, open up different types of accounts, digitize the businesses and also give them access to capital at a better price so whether it's deploying their own customer deposits or it's building up the credit profile i wonder what that bank's doing then open up the the funding possibly think who they're going to be partnering with get me wrong (laughs) i want to be really clear that is not a plug i've learned more about that space and it's really interesting when you get to know the mechanics behind each of the different banks and what they're trying to do for me personally i've geeked out on some of that and that's the one that I think will be the most interesting for accountants next year. Well, I'm nervous. I've just moved from a high street bank to a digital bank yesterday. So now I'm worrying about what I've done. I think My... you've done the right thing. Oh, okay, It's cool. the future, baby. Oh, I thought you were saying it's the high street banks that are going to do well and not the digital ones. No, I think the banking space is about to go through a little bit more explode. of a change and explode because in the past few years it's been a lot of different fintechs payment technologies you've got your capitalize your swoop those types of businesses that are aggregators for different types of financiers 
But I think that is about to go right back to where it should have been in the first place, which is with the banks, the neobanks. Cool. Both. Very interesting. We'll have to keep my eye out for that one. And I'm sure it will come on more of our app news throughout 2023. The main area I think that we're going to see changes in or developments in is that period end in the UK. You've had some period end to close systems over in the US, more aimed at the larger entities and ERP systems. We're seeing a lot of development in this space at the back end of 2022 with some announcements. I know Mayday Recharger announced their entire development pathway which was very odd for an app to do john and i have got some insights into what is coming through the early adopters hub so that is going to be an interesting space because it's an area that accountants have been crying out for to help streamline and it has not been solved you've had the likes of silverfin in this space that have had some success but have had their messaging wrong and they've changed that with some interesting releases at the back end of 2022 as well so i think the big boom in that space in 2023 Similar to, I guess, what payments were doing in 2022. John, anything happening in open banking, mate? (laughs) There's always something happening in open banking, right? Obviously, we had the launch of VRP technology in the summer, and we're going to be seeing some additional changes into next year, potentially some more regulation as well, which would be helpful around bulk payments, because that's been a challenge for some of the newer players like Comma and Cresco in terms of just making sure that all the banks are on the same page with that. And we're also going to see this transition away from this generic open banking talk into the much wider open finance space, which is going to be starting to tap into things like pensions and insurance and other areas of our lives where finance affects us both as consumers and and in business. So it's going to be interesting to see how that develops. There's no sort of clear pathway on that at the moment but it's going to be interesting and i did do a talk at accounting web live on open banking and on the opportunities there and there's very much a feeling that the opportunity is still hugely untapped and in the context of where other countries are going not just with open banking but things like digital invoicing and other technologies here is that whilst we could probably still lead the way in the uk on that sort of space we still do lag behind on other areas of digitalization. And in the last few weeks, we've seen that the European Union have announced digital invoicing plans tied into some requirements around VAT to minimize issues and cross-border tax losses. So that's going to affect UK businesses as well, particularly those that are importing and exporting from Europe. So whether we like it or not, digital invoicing is going to creep into the UK, whether it becomes mandated or not. So I think we're going to start seeing that. The other big thing that we should expect to see in 2023 is that obviously, assuming that everyone sticks to their roadmap, is that we've got Iris building out their elements platform. We've got Sage building out their Sage for Accountants platform. And we've got CCH as well, all transitioning to cloud products. And certainly Iris and CCH have some really interesting plans which for Q3, Q4 of, of 2023, you potentially you will have transitioned their entire suite of products for all accountancy firms, not just the small firms, because small firms have been well served by cloud products, whether that's PM or accounts production, etc. But a, but a full suite of cloud products for a larger firm that can allow them to do all of their compliance requirements is really interesting. If those guys can stick to their timetables and their roadmaps and stuff, it's going to be fascinating to see how those products develop. It's going to be fascinating to see who jumps on board with those kind of products early. And that's in the context that, you know, I think you mentioned, Brian, with Silverfin. We know that they've got some interesting product development coming down the track as well. And a few other people probably trying to do their transition to cloud, likes of Bright Group and others. So 
there's lots of excitement around that. Other than that, I mean, yeah, who knows? It's going to be a bit of a mystery, isn't it? I have one last trend that I want us to keep an eye on next year. This year, we spoke a lot about the talent shortage and how there's not enough accountants coming into the space. But then we've also seen a surge of different outsourcing and offshoring companies that are like thick and fast everywhere. They're everywhere now. So I feel like that's something we need to keep our eye on. My view is that it's becoming quite crowded, but you guys will know more on whether that is something that you want because there is not enough talent coming in or whether it's actually just becoming too saturated and doesn't work as a solution. Mm, There is a talent shortage in the accountancy market. It will continue to be one for the foreseeable future. And yeah, I agree with you. There does seem to be an increasing number of outsourcing, stroke, offshoring type businesses. Personally, I don't know how long that's sustainable for in terms of the talent shortage here in the UK is not restricted just to the UK. You know, lots of countries have the same issues. So at some point, you guess that if you're offshoring to somewhere like India or South Africa, for example, that eventually they're going to have a talent shortage as well. So you're all going to be fighting for the same piece of the puzzle. But technology still serves a purpose here. We haven't talked about chat GPT, right? One of the things that was all over like LinkedIn and Twitter, late November, early December. And that on its own is a technology that potentially, along with like low code solutions and RPA and other things that we talked about, has the potential to have some really interesting transformative change if practices and businesses have the imagination to do so. I think people have seen a massive opportunity because there's a huge staffing shortage, but the staffing shortage is just down to time because people left in a more qualified space. And I think there's been uh, enough low level recruits. It just takes a while to get them trained up to that higher level. So you've got a three year window that they can try and maximize and really get into be a core part of accountancy firms. Do I think that it's going to be much bigger than it was? I I I don't know. I think, as John said, there's going to be enough digital transformation that the need for people in that space should reduce over time. Every business that I help at the moment, they can reduce their employee footprint by at least half a person in their team. So if that sustains over all businesses, then you just don't need as many accounting professionals. Question before we end. I have considered recently... uh, there is availability in my life for a fractionalized PA. Now, I didn't even know that existed until you guys met my cousin Sandy at Accounting Web Live. And she has a fractionalized PA. So she hires a certain number of hours per week. And then her PA does all the things that she really doesn't want to do. She manages all the calendars. Yeah, it's prevalent in the accounting profession. Fractionalized is a new term, but virtual FD or outsourced departments, they're all fractionalized ways of working. I think it's just the new term that was really hooked. Is that because it always should be virtual, which still does the same thing. But now you're fractionalized. But now you're fractionalized. Are you going to be a fractionalized FD? It's the same. It's pretty much the same thing. Um, as well, well John is already a fractionalized yeah, FD because he does our accounts. I'm fractionalized in many ways. <laughs> and I got my expenses paid. So I was very happy fractionalized FD. How much did that cost us? <laughs> For you, Ryan, it's free. What? <laughs> <laughs>
How much is it for me then? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the amount of nagging I have to do. Good grief. <laughs> I self-serve. <laughs> oh, God. And is that a perfect way to close out the show? <laughs> I believe so. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please, could you leave us a review? Give us a five star, as you heard probably from some of the bits of banter. John and I are avid Google reviewers, but we have been very impartial and not reviewed our own podcast. So if you wouldn't mind logging into wherever you have listened to this podcast, hitting the five star and telling us what was your favorite moment of 2022 from any of our podcasts. Thanks again. And we will be back with you in 2023 with a whole new season. Catch you on the next one.